Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Scott Luton and Greg White with here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Greg, how are we doing today? You know what? After that experience in the green room, I am super excited and happy. We have one of our favorite people back. That is right. And, and, uh, and what a fun discussion. Fun and informative. Um, always. Mostly fun before the show. I wish you I wish y'all could be there, but yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, so that definitely gets the votes for one of the best pre-show green room sessions of the month. So we'll see who wins on January 1st. We'll see who won that award and bestowed that medal upon them. But hey, Greg, today, not only was a pre-show great, but the conversation is going to be outstanding. Today's show, we're going to be talking about the war against inflation. Everybody's, everybody's fighting that battle, right? But inflation. In, I've heard something about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in particular, though, uh, with this repeat guest, uh, Dan from Asker, we're, we're going to be talking about how business leaders can more successfully leverage a digital ecosystem to make bigger and better gains. So, Greg, should be timely, should be intriguing, should be inf uh, informational and entertaining, right? Definitely all of those. Let's do it. Okay, man, that's that's as much as much of a succinct answer I've gotten from you in at least uh, I'm just excited minutes. to get him on. <laughs> well, so in that case, let's say hello to a few people really quick. We're getting yeah. weather reports from uh, Josh Goody up in Seattle. Josh, hope this finds you well. 78, uh, wow. Oh, hang on a sec. He's in Austin, Texas today. That's why the, the temperature is mm -hmm. off. So safe travels to you, Josh. Looking forward to hearing your take uh, as we work through today's conversation, of course. Catherine, three words he doesn't hear where he's from this time of year. 78 and sunny. <laughs> That's right. Because uh, Josh is typically in Seattle. Everybody should right. know that. Big thanks to Catherine, Amanda, Chantel, Clay, the whole gang behind the scenes helping to make production happen as always. CT Squared, who holds down the Fort Force on YouTube. It's a foggy hump day in Baltimore, he says. Bring on the supply chain management nourishment. It is coming. He says it just like you do. Bring on. <laughs> Maybe so. And you do it. That's right. It's much better when you say it. Oh, I love it. So Natalie back with us. Hope this finds you well, Natalie. The fog and rain are reaching into North Carolina too. I tell you, uh, as I shared pre-show, Greg, taking the kids to school today, man, you almost needed like a 20, 20 extra lights to navigate the fog. It was like pea soup out there. It started last night too. I mean, at least here up here right. in North Georgia. Yep. Yeah. So welcome everybody. Look forward to your comments throughout uh, the conversation today. We got a great one to that with one of our faves. So with no further ado, Greg, I'm going to welcome in. Dan Reeve, Director for Sales from North America for Esker. Hey, hey, Dan, how you doing? All good, gents. I've got a new expression for you. I heard you, you know, in in, in the pre-brief. <laughs> always, you know, I know you like my English expressions. New one. Let the dog see the rabbit. That means let's let's get, let's, let's, let's go. Let's get on with it. Let's, let's oh, let the loose. Yeah. I love it. It's nice. <laughs> We're gonna completely steal that one. Of Every course, time you're on the show, you have to bring one of those, please. Okay. All right. Thank yeah, you. you now have a quota. You've got to bring Here's every time down. I've been married to my, my wife 10 years, and she's American. And I, you know, I'm naturalized now, but every now and again, I'll say something. She'll look at me and say, I have no idea what you just said. 
Say it in English. I'm like, what's well, dead? <laughs> well, so still one of our favorites of all time is mm-hmm. at the speed of a thousand gazelles. That one is really stuck. Uh, so we love that from, I think your first appearance. Hey, really quick for, we're gonna have a fun warm up question for Dan yeah. Reed with Esker in just a minute. want to welcome in Monica. Great to see you back with us. Uh, and Glormar is back with us as well from California. Mega multitasking. Glormar Ooh, says, well, great mega, to have you here. Okay. Give us a, give us a checklist. Glormar. That's right. What else are you doing? <laughs> all right. So Dan, uh, let's, we're going to start with a fun warm up question. Uh, although you don't need any help in showcasing that personality, it's one of our favorite parts uh, that you bring every single interview. But on today's date, back in 1928, sliced bread was born. So get this Otto Rowetter uh, invented a bread slicing machine, and that led to the first sliced bread being sold at his bakery in Chillicothe, Missouri. And I've taken I've taken oh. pronunciation tips from Greg, so I'm hoping I'm getting that right. Yeah, Chillicothe, very local Chillicothe, Missouri. Uh, Missouri, yeah. There's no I in, in, on the end of Missouri. So with that as a springboard, a little historical business history note. Dan, tell us your favorite sandwich and where it comes from. I'm going for tuna sandwich. You know why? It's easy. Tuna sandwich, tuna melt, and uh, kind of pretend that I'm eating something healthy. And um, it's just uh, easy, you know, whether it comes from Subway or which witch or wherever it's going to come from. Normally, I'll, you know, so what do you want? Uh, tuna sandwich. Now, here's the tricky thing. In England, you ask for tuna sandwich. There you go. There's your tuna sandwich. Nothing on it. It just is what it is. In America... <laughs> There's about ten different screws and different right. options and, you, right. and, and quantities and, and 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 additives and you're like, oh, it's a bit complicated, you know. So <laughs> you could argue that's better customer service in England. It's like there you go, take it or leave it. Take it or leave. Okay, I've never stopped yeah. to think about that. And and folks, we want to hear from you. Tell us where your favorite uh, sandwich comes from and what it is, Greg. So uh, Dan's already. I've never thought about what tuna sandwiches mean. Maybe in other parts of the world, but what's one of your favorite sandwiches and where you get it, Greg? Um, well, you know, we t- it seems like, like we talked about sandwiches earlier this week, and, I, we and that happened to be a bread shop. So Great Harvest Bread, right over by where I live, and <clears throat> they have a chicken Italian something on, I wish I could think of the name, I haven't eaten it in a long time, on focaccia bread. So they slice the focaccia bread, toast it, put a chicken breast with cheese, and this really good uh, kind of sauce uh, on it. I, I meant to look up look that up anyway it's super delicious and the bread is fantastic which really makes the sandwich in my that does make the sandwich i'm glad you said that so my favorite to round everything out and i see uh we've got a couple folks like blts those are great sandwiches oh yes the italian sub greg and dan at pat's sub shop in aiken south carolina they've been doing business since like the 60s and it's just it, it is a delicious one of a kind sandwich. So y'all check that out. Before um, you said their bread was outstanding. Do they bake their own bread there? You know, I don't want to give up any trade secrets. Uh, plus, especially when I don't know them, but I think they do. I'm not sure. I know great. <laughs> I know great harvest bread does all their own bread. But I'm not sure. Um, but regardless, great. But it's people. really good. You said. Oh, it's right? delicious. It's delicious. It has to be baked in house, or at least proof and baked. Agreed. All right. So Greg and Dan. Now that we've made everybody hungry, right? Uh, I want to dive into the main subject here today, Dan. We love having you. Uh, you know, you, obviously, as we've talked about numerous times, going back a couple of years now, you know, Dan, you, you and the Esker team do business with all the movers and shakers out there across uh, the, the global business space, and that's where I want to start. I want to start with, you know, what are some of your observations? Uh, 
as to what's going on out in the industry here lately. Let's start there. Yeah, I'll give you an, uh, an example. So I had lunch with CFO on part of a global chemical company. I had lunch with him on Monday and they said, you know, what's going on for you? And I'm going to sound like a broken record here. He said, well, Dan, again, the top CFO is pushing for visibility, you know, chase up uh, payments, um, hold people where to the terms, more focus on, on cash. Our cost of borrowing has gone up, you know, maybe up to 10%. So there's a lot of focus now on um, controlling the controllable. What can we do? Because forecasting mm-hmm. pattern for, for he talked actually about a forecasting project where his reps have to forecast every every two weeks uh, a rolling forecast 12 times a year and he says okay they can do that but beyond 12 months it's like wow it's almost impossible for us to forecast what's going to go on because you've got covid in china you've got supply chain impacts and by the way if you look back since 1952 there's been a global economic political or environmental impact in every part of the world every year so he, so he didn't say that, but that's that's backstory. So basically he said, look, continued disruption. We've got to focus on what we can control. And we've got to try and retain our customers, keep them happy. There's a lot of pressure. You know, as a supply chain owner, the, my, he was describing how my supply chain owner has got a lot of work to do to keep the customers happy. So again, people are now acutely aware of increasing costs and the, and the, the increasing cost of cash and the impact of storing more inventory. There's a lot of money tied up there. And mm-hmm. a lot, you know, the CFOs are really now sort of sort of paying attention to how do we cut costs? How do we manage spend? How do we, you know, make sure we're not keeping too much inventory, but at the same time, we need to have the inventory or we end up doing part orders and frustrating customers. So, again, I sound like a broken record, but that's going on. And now I think, um, you know, I'll talk about this in a little bit. We'll talk about a, 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 a Forbes article that talked about well, part of the solution here is automation. Right. That's right. Well, so Greg, that's a lot of what we're hearing, a lot of what we're seeing out there. Well, what what would you add, Greg? Yeah, well, I think what exacerbates that is the way that people responded to have responded over the years since the pandemic started of to these disruptions, which is in a lot of cases to load in a ton of inventory. I just did a commentary today on on the Gap, Gap Inc., which is the Gap, it's Old Navy, Athleta, and uh, Banana Republic, all of which had 37% more inventory in Q2 of this year than they had in Q2 of last year and were relieved that they are only 12% over the inventory they had last year. But to Dan's point, their chief financial officer, she said that they are focusing on reducing inventory going into 2023. And that could create kind of a pendulum swing where Companies are too tight on inventory or have too much of the wrong inventory. A lot of of retailers have done this pack and hold thing where the goods for last Christmas, um, peak and fall and everything, came in too late to be sold for last holiday season, and they packed them all up and held them for this year. So we're getting leftovers for Christmas this year. But that also, because so much cash is tied up in that, and because cash got so expensive during this year. Right. It's put them in a bad position to be able to buy into the inventory they need for next spring and summer. So it's a double whammy, really. And how you manage your capital, you know, how you uh, offload that huge burden of of inventory and carrying costs over the next few months is going to be critical for companies. That's right. Pressure luck. It's not just a game show in the 80s. It's kind of mm-hmm. like what navigating the supply chain ecosystem is lately with, with whammies. No whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Stop. You remember that game show back in the 80s? Pressure luck. 
Greg, no. Dan? I was still in school. I was still in okay. school. All right. So, folks, y'all saved me in the comments. If you know Press Your Luck, the game show, uh, bail me out of here. All right. No whammy. No whammies, no whammies. Because it, it, well, I'll save that for later. But okay. really quick, T squared, talking about Rubens at Rachel's and Save yourself. And daggers. We're talking about sandwiches. That's good. That's right. <laughs> Natalie's talking about French dip sandwich. Oh, I love good. that. And this is Pat Byrne was bringing up BL, BLT. Uh, and someone on our oh, team. Excellent choices. That's right. Someone on our team does recall their pressure like no whammies. Thank you very much. That is your wife. Hopefully, so. hopefully so. Out of the depths, I guarantee it, because it, it's either her or Catherine, and I know it's not <laughs> All right. So we started this conversation getting Dan's take uh, on what he's seen out there, talking to business leaders, some of the things that are taking place out in the industry, and, of course, accompanied by what Greg's uh, seen as well. Although some of what you shared, Dan, certainly applies to what supply chain leaders uh, are, are dealing with when it comes to inflation. But anything else you want, before we get into maybe that Forbes article and uh, three or four things that business leaders can do to fight back effectively against inflation. Any other comments of how you see this current economic environment impacting supply chain leaders right now? Yeah, I think the supply chain leaders are uh, in some ways they're pressured because, you know, you, you talked about buying goods and services ahead of time. And sometimes that means, Hey, we've got, we can no longer sort of stall when we pay the suppliers because we could lose our position. So they need ca capital again to go and um, cash flow to then go and buy those goods and stocks ahead of time. I think the supply chain leader, you know, and the supply chain leaders have an increasingly important role in customer service. Increase, I think 70% 70, 70 of organizations now, the customer service team, um, the planning, the logistics team, the order allocation team will probably roll up to the supply chain. That's That's been the trend over the last decade I've, see, I've seen. And those, I mean, I've had building materials leaders, VPs of supply chain say, the biggest risk is a burnout. If our customer service reps get burnt out, and yes, they're getting orders, but they get a ton of inquiries and questions and and and, and complaints. Their inbox is a mess. He said, if, if they get burnt out and leave, we're in a bad place because mm. one, we want mm. we, we were preparing to grow and we can't do so. And you know, increasingly as well, because of these disruptions, it's very hard to ship on time and in full. So customers are get a plate sort of bombarding the customer service team with loads of questions about where's my stuff, when will it arrive? And what the supply chain leaders are saying is, well, really what I need to do is automate that inbox, make that as easy as possible, provide proactively provide information to the customer to say, here's, here's, here's where your goods are, um, here's any changes, here's advanced shipping note, here's um, the PO proof of uh, delivery, here's a link to, the, you know, we've automatically gone to the shipper, and, and by the way, here's an update for you. Because, again, going back to that, the, the new trend is, it's hard to find people in the first place. Two, if you want to keep them, you have to provide technology that enables them to get a sense of satisfaction. The the, the bar has been raised. So you cannot just automate and, 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 and dare I say, a chop headcount. Mm. The, the goal now is, yeah, maybe some of that, but also the supply chain leaders realize, okay, I need a more empathetic workforce. I need a workforce that is more engaged. And, um, you know, a, a quote I have from a supply chain leader, Automation provides the CSR the opportunity to serve the customer and get a sense of achievement. Now they can connect on a human scale versus just discussing tasks. So there's all this stuff going on, and I think that's become that's a new mantra. I think I think the bar has shifted. You know, you, yeah, agreed. And you know, fulfilling is what I'm hearing. More fulfilling work, right? Uh, Greg, right. Dan's talking our language in many ways, right? Yeah, let computers do computer things and people do people things, right? And I think. 
That's a great point. If you can handle, and you can, by the way, handle a lot of that incoming questions and comments, arguments, refutations, whatever, you can handle that with technology. I don't know if anybody's read anything about generative AI, but it is super cool and very smart. They asked a generative AI model. A generative AI basically is a contextual language processor. So you ask it a question about generative AI and it answers the question. And I read the answer and I was like, wow, that is PhD level stuff. <clears throat> so not that you have to jump to that technology, but but certainly the ability to use these really advanced technologies that exist today to handle the mundane um, and allow people to do the exception management, the critical thinking, right? And all of that decision-making that's required of people in the military, Dan and Scott, right? Making life and death decisions with little, no, or inaccurate data, right? Yeah. That is what humans are built to process. And if we can elevate them, as Dan was talking about, to that level, that creates better relationships between organizations and a lot more job satisfaction on a day-to-day basis. Man, Hallelujah. Absolutely agree. And, and you know, Dan, I love your, your one of your examples you talked about in terms of applying automation. Who can't relate to a massively stuffed email inbox? And, and if we can address that and, and, and create more fulfilling work where they're solving problems, I mean, it, it's just, it's a eureka moment for sure. All right. So we're going to keep driving. We're going to get into the three or four things that business leaders can do to combat inflation and uncertainty here in just a minute. But Dan and Greg, I got to go back here. T squared, thank you. If T squared is on your side, you know you're you know you're on the right side. He knows the host. Holy <laughs> that's right. So thank you, T squared. And get this: this is Chris George Zuger. Sorry, he says I was a loyal prices right guy. I love that. Is that the come on down show? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was good. Yeah, yeah. And oh, and then back to the the topic at hand. Glormar loves the 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 technology that both of you are speaking to. And probably maybe that type of AI, generative AI that Greg, that uh, you alluded to earlier. Okay. So Dan, let's get into, this is kind of center plate. You know, we're using lots of food analogies today. This is like the the big tasty sandwich, the middle of, of today's uh, plate, if that was a discussion. So talk to us about what are, the, what are the three or four things that business leaders can do to combat this, this current economic environment we're in? Three or four. How do you expect me to get? I've got two, I've got two boards full of notes from my team last night briefing me about what I should say. Oh, oh this is why we love having you. You cannot be contained. So Dan, let's go seventeen. If you get seventeen, we'll, we'll make time. How does that sound? I'll I'll try. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I referenced an article earlier from Forbes, so I'll try not to plagiarize, and I will give credit where credit's due. This was okay. an article written by Michael Gale, and it was a recent Forbes article. Okay, and I'll I'll read one paragraph. He says, you know, you talked about pricing, fuel, gas, employment, tickets, everything's going right. He says there is a solution here. It's automation. If you could take out 10 to 20% of your operational costs through automation, and OPEX is 30% of your company's expenses, you could regain the 10% of profits inflation may have cost you. Hmm. And more importantly, you drive sustained long-term competitive capabilities. And by the way, Gartner did a study during the last downturn, and they, and they called it innovating in the turns. And they said 70 or 80% of the companies that invested in technology came out 30, 40, I think 50% stronger than their peers. So he's like, innovating the downturn. Sometimes that's hard. Yeah. You, you want money to invest in this technology? <laughs> we're trying to cut, you know, we're trying to batten down the hatches and, and get through this storm. But Gartner says, if you innovate now, you come, you come out of it so, ready for growth. 
So with that context, and obviously Michael Gale is saying, you know, hey, pricing is it's going to take a while to control inflation. So Correct. here's some things you can do, and I'll try and make it relevant to the supply chain leader. One, yeah, you know, for certain commodities, you might run simple sourcing exercises or introduce, introducing a sourcing tool. Hey, I think some of my customers are doing that with me, you know, and, and but at the same time, yeah, we have folks who are, are come to us and say, I need a quick, easy sourcing tool that can try and introduce a bit of competition. Two, a lot of folks are going back to governed spend. Okay, look, you know, we've got to cut down Maverick spend or we need to, need to know what money has to go out to our suppliers. And I need a, a dashboard that shows money going out or liabilities. And also, what are my receivables? Where can I accelerate my receivables? I at least want to make sure that we ask customers now to really pay on time. Maybe mm. we let people get a little bit slacks during the pandemic. Hey, during the food industry, we'll give them a little break, help them through this. Now you're seeing a lot of companies say, I need to tighten that up. If anybody's one or two days over, I want to know immediately. Right. If anybody it, it represents a new risk to our business, I want credit scoring to make us aware of it so we can jump in and, and address that. So, you know, when you talk about money in, money out, in, day sales outstanding, days payables, a lot of folks are really paying attention to that working capital bucket. So I'll pause. I'm only two in, but I'll pause. Yeah, no, I, want, I want to get, so so Dan, get, give me just a minute because I want to get uh, the first two alone. Our good stuff. Greg, I want to get you to weigh in on these first two before we move into uh, the rest of the truckload. Yeah, well, innovation in a downturn, you know, we've talked with Mike Griswold several times about that, right? And that is a major way that companies, when companies double down on efficiency and they do so in a sustainable, not a temporary fashion, in a downturn, those are the ones that come out more successful, right? Now is the time to prime the pump for that because if you think it's tough now, just wait. For the next year or the next two years as you know as we are actually in a sustained recession and maybe we will reduce inflation but it won't go away next year i mean again not an economist but right as often as they are but many many economists the vast majority are predicting that we'll still have five percent inflation by the end still at the end of next year yep wow. that's double the rate that the fed wants so so this will be that will also force a prolonged recession because the Fed will have to maintain monetary policy that continues to try to drive prices down for a long period of time, et cetera, et cetera. So those companies that prepare now to tighten that window, as, yep. as Dan's talking about, are going to be really, really in the driver's seat coming out of it. Look, when you're in a recession, I mean, if you've studied any of the best investors of all time. Monish Pabrais, Warren Buffett, of course, Charlie Munger, just surviving this, what is coming is how you win. Wow. Right. Because in a lot of cases, comp there will be companies that won't survive. We saw it through the pandemic. We saw a number of companies failing going into the pandemic. Capital efficiency is going to be critical and, and sustainable. And I don't mean just environmentally sustainable, but I mean, feasibility of operations is going to be really, really important. All right. So Dan, just two down, a lot more to go. But I, I like the overarching theme that you've established here. You know, beyond survival, Dan, taking this time to get better at what you do. But Dan, all right. So first two, what, what's next on your list? Well, I'm gonna uh, hang on. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do two plus. The other sure. thing is, for a while, I think companies talked about, hey, you know, can I get some early payment discounts? Maybe leverage supply chain financing to go and help out my suppliers, and I pay <laughs> them earlier, and I get a little bit on the back end. When cash was free for quantitative easing. 
It wasn't such a no big brainer. issue. Suddenly, I think it's massive. It's really the treasurer and the, the CFO, that the suppliers have said, oh, hang on a minute. We, we, this is of interest now. You know, our supply base, we, we can borrow. Maybe we're a big company. We can borrow and we can then sort of accelerate invoices. Here we go. Speed them around the organization at the, at the speed of a thousand gazelles. We'll find out who's slowing down that gazelle. Get that invoice paid. Pay that supplier quickly. That keeps us in the queue. That keeps the supplier alive, keeps them happy. But also, we could probably earn some early payment discounts using our own money because we've been really effective with capital. Or we could take advantage of you know funders, supply chain, finance. So I think some of those things were buzzwords for a while. Not anymore. Suddenly, it's like, yep, that's real. And and it was the it was the cost of capital and the interest rates going up that made it real. Um, we talked about improving uh, receivables, cash flow, collections. The other one is when I sat with uh, um, Ruben, who's the CFO, I said, Ruben, um, you know, we've seen a lot of folks who've used our – oh, man, shameless plug. We've, used, we've worked with a lot of folks who said, I'm going to apply technology to um, um, receivables, payables. If the same technology can be applied to cash application. I said, why do you care about that? He said, Dan, the reason I care, twofold. From a CFO point of view, I care about automating cash application because now I can see who truly owes me money, what money to which divisions. I can quickly work out if there's a dispute or, or money that actually they've short paid me and it's, it's, it's either fair or it's not fair. And I can, if I'm quick, I can go and challenge that, get into those portals, find out the information, coordinate my, my organization across departments and say, that's not fair. No. Mm. no and, and sometimes I think... Um, Deductions, unplanned deductions, could be as much as two or four percent of revenue. So there's 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 money, you know, there's there's money to be saved there. And he said, so a lot of it really, Dan, is the ability to truly know what money is ours, really can be ours. Yep. And I've had, I mean, last time I was in Atlanta, I had a supply chain leader say, the reason we want this, Dan, if I see why people are taking unplanned deductions, you know what? I want to know the reason. Is my packaging bad? Is my doc making mistakes and damaging the goods? Because if they are, mm. hey, guess what? If I know that, I can quickly, I want to know that quick. And I want to make process changes, warehouse changes, factory changes. So I, I don't make those errors anymore. So the, the, this, and so that's why I think it applies to the supply chain owners as well. They want to know that. Let me take a pause. Yeah. Thank you. You're covering so much ground. Greg. Pick something, one of the ideas Dan just shared <clears> there and talk about the importance and criticality of it. Well, I mean, I, I'm, this is probably going to sound like uh, regurgitation, but I just think that cash is going to be so important going into this that the ability to, I'll say it, use Esker. That was nice of you to say just software generally. Use a solution like Esker to be able to analyze your the timelines of cash to cash and the applicability and the and and the the charges or. Um, you know, or, or transactions that are, that are occurring and whether those are fair or correct or necessary. I think all of that is really critical. And because it's automated, it's so much easier. So if you can go through and optimize your cash utilization in a time like now, and you should, you definitely should, because, you know, the same reason I said before, cash is going to get you through this. All right. So Dan, a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of kindred spirits out there. Um, I'm not sure exactly where we are in uh, this massive list we've got. We're making progress. Making we're progress. Making, okay. Making progress. Yeah. Bites of the elephant. I love it. So, uh, so Dan, what, what's next? What else uh, uh, can business leaders do to combat inflation? 
Well, so there's one. So Ruben, although he's CFO, he said, Dan, I, I am interested in that concept of automating um, inquiries that come into customer service and orders. So that's, that's interesting because a lot of the time it's the supply chain leader that cares about mm-hmm. freeing up their customer service staff to be rock stars. It says, why do you care? He says, because a lot of the time, if invoices are delayed, challenged, or, you know, it's because an order came in, we fat-fanged it, we made a mistake, tax, skew, where it was going to be shipped from, whatever, it blows up my receivables. And he says, so as a CFO, that's why I care about that. Because a lot of times, he says, that's what's blowing up my receivables, mm. and frustrating customers, and maybe meaning the customer isn't going to stay with us. Um, or, hey, we didn't, we don't have technology to, 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 truly, check what their, to truly check what their um, credit status is. Maybe I should be giving them more st- credit. So those who are mm-hmm. risking, tighten up the belt. Those that are not, hey, give them more credit. Or back to that cash application idea. They have paid. Well, we just hadn't got around to you know, applying that to their account yet. Oh, well, there's a good, we've, we've all had that. How much does that frustrate you? Hey, I've, I've paid. No, 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 I'm sorry, you're on hold. So the, the, these are some of the things where you can apply, apply technology to sort of make sure you don't blow up the supply chain by putting bad orders in. Uh, you improve the customer service by getting the order in, getting the inquiry in. And, and, and doing that right and frictionless is both good for your AR process, but also good for your, your relationship with your customer. And, and that enables them to go and serve their customer. So I love that as, as a, uh, I used to be in the food industry way back when, right? With uh, a big fortune 500 company. And uh, back in that pre-digital era we were in, you know, you'd back a truck up and and the driver would wait for credits. Okay. That they can drop, you know, all the food. And so Dan, that, but to your point, that's only half, the equation that risk management. The other half that I love that you bring up is that maybe you, maybe if we've got information or fingertips and we've effectively applied uh, automation and technology, we can create more business room by offering more credit. It's, it's both sides of the coin. I don't think that's that's, that's thought about too often. Uh, Greg, weigh in here on on uh, what Dan was just talking about. I think, and to your point, Scott, you can do it a lot sooner because once that stuff is on the truck you might as well deliver it because you've already spent the money to get it there. Preempting that order, even being packed, packed and shipped is, you know, is a better use of time and capital. So automation, get, make sure things don't fall through the cracks and that they happen in a timely and, and capital efficient manner. So I've been there. I've been on the receiving end of that, Scott, oh. a shipment where we were on credit hold and, we weren't doing that great in the early nineties at, at um, Northern automotive. Um, but the driver had already, had already arrived and we just had somebody on the dock say, just tell him he's already here with it. Just go ahead and drop it and we'll take care of it on the back end. Well, he wasn't their driver. What did he care? He dropped it. We're on credit hold. We got their goods. We just added, right. We added, added to the problem, right? The problem, right. <clears throat> um, it was not a fun company to work for, as you can imagine, doing <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but I mean, the efficiency and the timeliness that you can impart into your process is critical as well, because some of this, you know, things like that, those are not only continued exposures, but it's wasted effort on your part. That's so, right. Good point there. And and again, a universal concept that Dan's talking about in terms of a, an area of opportunity is automating, effectively automating those customer service in, inquiries, not to aggravate the customer, but making it, you know, some, sometimes it's a simple inquiry. It can, it can be automated with a simple response. And then the customer is happy because they get information right then. 
massive opportunities there, universal opportunities. Dan, feel free to address something that maybe Greg shared, or we can keep working through your list here. Yeah, I mean, it was actually a, a customer of mine coined this term eight, eight years ago. She said, we've got a hot mess here, a hot, a hot box. Our email is a hot mess, hot box. I'm like, well, what, what have you got in mind? And she, and she said, well, if you could use technology to automatically classify this, help us you know, and, and work out, is it an inquiry? Is it, is, is it a claim? Is it a dispute? Or is it actually a sales order? Is it a, one of our white glove customers or a new customer that we really want to take care of? Hey, you know, is it a customer that's approaching their cutoff? They've got a 2, 2 p.m. cutoff on the, um, in their D.C. in the East Coast. Right. Well, we better prioritize those, you know, or, or put those, see the wood through the tree, so to speak. Um, yeah. You know, because it's, like, it's so hard. You know, you, you've all done it. You've come in after a couple a day off work. You come in, it's like, you're like, where do I start? <laughs> you know, I wish I hadn't had that day off. And, you know, so the reality is a, a lot of our customer service folks are dealing with that constantly you see their inboxes it's like well so apply technology to you know if people just need hey what's an update can i get a copy of that pod can you send me in, you know let me know what you what's going on that busy noise automate that right. free them up to go and to go and do the valuable stuff like oh hang on a minute you're approaching a uh, cutoff i had a chalk uh, manufacturer chemical chalk manufacturer in Chicago. And yeah, yeah, our customer service team has earned us $20 million extra this year. We actually get orders coming in where they've written, we are increasing, giving you the business because your customer service, your inside team are awesome. Man. Wow. Back to freeing up staff to be rock stars, recognizing them for that, and then helping them to sort of serve the customer. I'll give you another example where technology can apply right here. I think because the supply chain has got stretched, products have been you know, part shipped. What I hear a frustration from from customers, so, sorry, supply chain leaders, is they say, "Okay, well, one, you know, we place an order. You think you get an order acknowledgement? Don't always. I want to get that. I want to capture it. I want to log it in our system. You know, what's the date they're going to deliver, or the expected date? Then, what we're hearing is folks are saying, but the problem is, Dan. Okay, we don't always get that, and if we do, the supplier has to make changes." especially in the electronic space. Okay, yeah. so the, the you know Apple's made some changes and that impacted the whole industry. And suddenly the lead time, the delivery, you know, the initial delivery pr- promise date you get is never the, the, the actual date. Uh, we've run it a bit short on this skew, so we're going to substitute it. Or you've hit an allocation limit, so therefore we can't give you exactly as much as you wanted. What the supply chain owner, owners are saying is I need to automatically get that information back, capture it. Can I compare that to the purchase order that we sent over? And then can I have some alarm bells going off or some updates so that we, we in turn, can proactively go and talk to our customer and say, hey, look, it's not great news, but I want to let you know about what's going on. Right. We maybe think, hey, you know what? I need to go and open a relationship with another supplier in order to satisfy my customer. I need this information. And... You know, that wasn't possible in the past, but now technology is available to help bring that visibility on the supply chain leaders and the customer service leaders to say, right, we have time. We can do right. something about this. I think that's a, that's been caused by the supply chain um, disruptions. Yep. So, Dan, you're touching on something. So, Natalie in the comments here wants to combine your first one, which is the kind of overarching theme, innovating during the downturn, with uh, one of your last ones, automating customer service inquiries. And she's combining those two and saying, hey, combining one and four, do we know if any 
which tech companies work with existing companies to push to what you're saying, Dan, those latest updates and capabilities. Of course, as she says, there's been a lot of development in the past three or five years with the use of AI. Pushing out those latest updates and doing it in an automated fashion. Any any uh, any, any thoughts there, uh, Dan? Yeah, I think um, it's funny. Uh, last night I was writing a, a brief for my sales you know, I support 50 or so, 40 or so salespeople. And I was writing a brief on proof of concepts. And, um, and I, I stumbled on uh, Intel, have a, a document on this, on using AI and cognitive intelligence. And they, they've said, hey, we think AI can make as a minimum 38% improvement with a company's processes. I think there's a $14 billion opportunity there. So I think there are companies, you know, who provide software as a service and are continually sort of applying that technology and what what you, you might want to look for is okay has that vendor gone and invested in the technology have they got phds you know literally have they got phds working for them or doing their their their, their earning their phd while at seconded to the company looking in and ai and then applying it you know have they run thousands of orders from the whole you know, all the manufacturers in the US, have they run thousands or millions of invoices? So rather than you go and have to build that technology, create a load of templates, can you tap into a service that already exists? That would be yeah. my, my encouragement. I love that, Dan. Greg, your quick comment there. Yeah, I mean, I think there probably are technologies out there. I don't know what they are, but yes, definitely vet their math, right? There are a lot of companies that claim to have AI and what they're mostly doing is they're using models that are provided by their their cloud service provider azure or or uh google or or amazon um those companies that are really investing vis-a-vis scientists as dan talked about in in real and proprietary ai and ml are are very much more valuable than anyone who's just kind of adapting an already existing model yep they're the ones powerfully innovating and changing how business is done, doing more for customers and employees for that matter. So Dan, uh, we've got a few more minutes here before we're going to level set with what Esker's doing and a lot of cool, cool work uh, that you are doing moving mountains. But before we get there, what else is on your list? And I love, yeah, Dan, the team, you know, they're innovating (laughs) with me last night. What have I missed? Love it. We talked about. I'm serious. uh, We need it. Next time you're on, have, yeah. have somebody find some like really big markers so we can s- see that. Because I know you can see it. I'm the only one who can read it with my handwriting. Let me, well, let me that's a good you. point. That's excellent <laughs> point because um, you write in English. Yeah, I, I think um, the other thing we you know we didn't talk about is um, fraud. Actually, so fraud risk is going up. So we talked about using technology to automatically detect. Uh, should we give this customer more credit? Should we ultimately put the orders on hold or take them off hold? Well, the other thing I think a lot of companies are looking to do right now in the procurement suite is, okay, we there's a lot of time and effort required to onboard a vendor. We've talked in the past about, hey, that needs to be changed because what if you do need to go in, you can't just single source, you need a multiple source. So a lot of companies are saying, make it easy for us to onboard vendors. We don't want to lose any of the due diligence and compliance. But can we make that easy? And can we have reminders to say, hey, well, uh, hey, Mr. C- Mr. Supply, you need to update your insurance information and you, you, you make sure you're um, compliant. Also, with the risk of fraud going up, can I double check? Hey, you know, this email that says, can you quickly pay me, please? I'll get them. You know, we will get them down again. And it, it appears to come from your chairman. 
but it's not. It's, it's, it's you know somebody who's perhaps in Western Africa or wherever, um, or, or not necessarily in Western Africa, but obviously it's been Russia. <laughs> it could be. It could be Russia. It could be you know Nigeria. Anywhere, wherever. It could be anywhere. Yeah. Let's, let's not. I'm not trying to be xenophobic here. It could be anywhere. The reality is, people want tools to help detect and prevent fraud. People want tools to help them detect that. Hang on a minute. You were dealing with a supplier, but little did you know they actually have an operation in Russia, and that's now going to get you in trouble. With but also we're going to get you in defense defense department regulations. And I'm missing, I'm missing the uh, C M M. All right, so now we're both struggling for the acronym. Anyway, I think we know what we're talking about. I mean, you're going to be getting trouble. Yeah, there's tin checks, and tax tax checks, but there's also you know bank checks, and then there's also make sure you know you're not going to upset the foreign office or the you know, you're not going to fall foul of sanctions, so to speak. So increasingly, that's all a ton of work. Then you could even add on, okay, so we do business, but we we want now governments around the world as populations, you know. You often you have a look at Italy, you've got a reverse population. Yeah. Right. I need to get the tax. Okay, so you can't just send your goods like you used to with the invoice in the box. No, now you have to go through a governmental layer that either they want to get their VAT. So we, right. now, even though you, I, I know you're in the US perhaps, but you're sending goods and services overseas, LATAM, Africa, Europe especially. Okay, they may have a pre approval model or a post audit model. You have to send those invoices. And provide information that goes through a government layer so you can't just send your invoice you've got to put it in the right format it's got to be archived in the right mechanism and it's got to be um, delivered in the right mechanism otherwise hey at, at the minimum you, your, your invoice is going to get and your cash is going to get, get delayed right. but this is a trend the world is going where you know these governments want to know what you're buying what you're selling so they get the, the, the relevant vat that takes compliance right. and i work with i mean full disclosure i worked with getty images we put a technology in there what 10 years ago and he said damn we work with photographers in 60 different countries we haven't got a time to sit here and research the compliance rules for 60 different countries I'm, right i've got to send our invoices and get paid but man that, that that's almost like a business in itself so i think oh, what's sure. happening is all those complexities for both supply chain and finance. You know what I mean? Can you really do all that in-house? Right. No chance. So beyond the compliance side, I mean, just where you started with, with fraud and, and cyber attacks, if we think the job is tough now to protect our global supply chains, just wait, unfortunately, because the, only, not only will the attacks grow and there will be bigger volumes of them, but they're going to be even more uh, complicated and complex. Greg, your quick comment here. We're talking uh, not only compliance, but uh, cyber, a little bit at all, and then how we can't we can't insource everything uh, to protect our uh, to stay compliant and protect our supply chains. Your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, well, I think of two of the biggest tech companies in terms of valuation in the world: Avalara and Deal. One who makes sure that you are paying sales tax appropriately, and the other is making sure that you're paying other or handling other compliance issues and tax payments and things like that around employees. So there certainly is a business there and there may be a business doing that today. And if there's not, I'm going to start one tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, uh, because that's, that's absolutely a concern. I mean, that, you know, aside from where is my stuff and is my stuff going to get here? It's, am I complying you know, am I causing myself pain and disruption by not complying with local laws and regulations and tax requirements and things like that? So, That's right. yes, 
if you're doing it yourself, um, you'll reach a point where it becomes untenable in, you know, in internal to your organization. So um, if you haven't reached that point, um, you will. And if you have, I wish I could tell you where to go right now, but <laughs> start with a conversation with Dan. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Start, yeah. I mean, I, I think Dan could probably, could probably uh, at least narrow down what you're after and how to fix it for sure. That's right. Um, so, Hey, really quick. Uh, and Dan, we're going to get your last tip in a minute. And then again, we're going to level set a bit. Uh, Glormar. I think we might've counted two in one here. I think, so I don't know if he will. We'll, we'll see if he has another one or if he'll come up with one in the meantime. <laughs> so Glormar says communication, communication, communi- communication. It works miracles. So well said. And so true, timelessly true. And then kind of going to Greg's point a second ago, I think, and thank you to the production team for trying to keep up with Dan. It is a, he's moving fast, isn't he? But I don't want to gloss over. You know, we focus on on his on Dan's last one. We focus kind of on the latter half of it. But this making vendor onboarding uh, processes easier, that's a billion-dollar idea, especially in the era where being a supplier of choice and, and uh, suppliers have options. You want to make it as frictionless as possible. And then, Dan, you've spoken about that time and time again with us previously. But that optimizing that vendor onboarding process is so important. Huge opportunity. Okay, so, Dan, a couple minutes before we get into what Esker's doing and, and how to connect with you. Your yeah, final I think, tip. I think the thing I'm hearing is folks are saying uh, portals have become like a necessary way of doing business, but they've also become the bane of our existence. You know, we used to have paper, now we have portals. So, you know, portals is 30% of our effort at least. I've got to you know, send my PO over there. I've got to maybe go into there and collect my sales order. Maybe I've got to go and um, if people have deductions or disputes, they hide that data in the portal. And it's like, well, hey, it's on you to go into the portal and, and you know, if you, you want to see if you want to challenge the um, short pay, the deduction. And it's kind of different in Europe. In Europe, if, if, if you want to short pay something, you create a claim. US is a bit more Wild West. Yeah. It's like, tell you what, you just short pay. pay. I ain't going to pay you. I'm going to short pay you, and you'll, you'll figure it out yourself. And you know, but yeah, you know that data's up there in the portal. You know, you, you log in and you take the time to go and do that. Okay, I'm being flippant, but a lot of receivable leaders are saying, "How? Wow, that is a huge amount of effort. People don't like having to do all this, but I've got to go in there and log it and, and try and look through lines and lines of data. And I've only got a very limited amount of time to do it. So I think what I, I see is that's that's the the, 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 you know, the the jack that's out that's out of the box now and the reality is people are interested in technologies that could try and sort of help with those processes that i've described be it payables receivables order management you know tools that can sort of go out there and and, and grab that data again helping people get to the point where they can make a smart decision okay well thank you for saving me that time now i can see what's going on love that okay so greg and dan it's now time to let the dog see the rabbit did i say that right it's time to get started. And You've seen a film. Th- it comes from that. It, it doesn't come from that movie, but I think it was it uh, Brad Pitt in the movie Snatch. I have oh seen that. Oh my gosh! I hope so. That is a great movie. I cannot sequel to Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah, but it's a great movie. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Well, regardless, you have to watch um, it with subtitles on, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even I almost have to. He's like, "What did you say?" Oh yeah. gosh. All right. So, so what I'm trying to say is, is it's time to get started. Yeah. And and one of the ways that you might want to get started is learn more about Dan and Esker and what they're up to. So Dan, in a very small nutshell, let me think uh, two, three minutes here. Uh, how does Esker help organizations, especially navigate through these, these challenging times? The elevator pitch I like to say is, you know, folks will turn to us when they're trying to 
free up their staff, be it customer service staff, payable staff, collections, cash app stuff. They're trying to free them up to be rock stars. And that means, as Greg said, take away some of that mundane effort. And that mundane effort, I think today, if, let's start with the order coming in. If the sales order comes in, we talked about, can you automate that? Can you identify problems, discrepancies? Can you automate or clean up the process for inquiry management? Because who doesn't have a, you know, a customer service team struggling with millions of questions and inquiries? Can you right. provide more self-service access? So not just, can I place an order online? Can I see your availability? Can you make it easy so I can just pay online or communicate with you online because I'm working late at night and mm. your team is not there anymore? So there's some opportunity through to, okay, the order came in, now we're going to invoice you. Most ERPs have the ability to send out invoices. So I'm not sure I can help that much there. I can do it if you need it. But but what folks tend to say there is, well, can can you help us sort of, as we talked about earlier, you know, manage credit more effectively, get the invoice delivered as quickly as possible, chase it. Okay, mm-hmm. can, we, can, can we apply smart decisions to who should we chase? If we chase these folks, how does that improve working capital? Because we we have a good view on what we need to pay on our de- uh, uh, you know so it's about kind of free people up to be rock stars to improve daily sales outstanding day sales outstanding work out what you want your payables to be earn early payments through moving people to electronic payments perhaps instead of paper and check and effectively what we many of the leaders we talk to are, are held by PE firms or venture capital. And there's this growing trend now to try and reduce, you know, obviously be as efficient as possible, but lower working, uh, sorry, lower bad debt. Mm. If I improve collections or if I improve receivables, I can, I can lower bad debt, and that's good for the shareholders. That's good for, you know, the company. So effectively, it's freeing up people to to, to make a difference when it comes to order to uh, order to cash or procure to pay. Mm. Lots of different ways uh, to leverage uh, Dan and Esker community. Uh, Greg, I'm going to get your final word here in just a minute because uh, we've we've made so much progress. But Dan, I love how you're always looking forward to, to having uh, shop conversations with folks, no matter where they are, no matter where their enterprise are, no matter almost almost no matter what problem they're having. Uh, enjoy your work there. So, how can folks connect? Yeah, with Dan um, Reed, and if folks do reach out for me. My, our style here is very much of we won't be a fit for everybody. I don't have technology that, that, that will solve every problem. And our job is to be upfront candid about can we be a fit or not. Um, folks can get me at daniel.reevedesca.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just that easy. And also, we want to point out, folks can go to esker.com if they want to learn more, uh, see use cases uh, and a whole lot more, a lot, of, a lot of different resources, podcasts, events, in-person and virtual events, all kinds of resources. And our team also dropped the link to connect with Dan in the chat as well. Okay, Dan Reeve, always a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate, you know, you should have whiteboards follow you around everywhere. I agree. So, so folks don't miss a single thought you have. But uh, until next time, I look forward to seeing you in January. Big thanks to Dan Reeve and Esker. We'll talk with you soon. Cheers, guys. Loved it. Enjoy thanks, it. Dan. Thanks a lot. Greg, man, we cover so much territory when Dan joins us. Uh, and and so this might be an unfair question to you. What's one or, or two of your favorite things that Dan shared here today, Greg? Anything with an English accent, first of all. <laughs> um, he just sounds so much smarter than us, doesn't he, because of that? Um, no, but uh, honestly, I think it is the, you know, he, he, he 
titles it making people rock stars. But what he means by that is taking away the boring, the mundane. Don't make them a roadie, right? Don't make them unpack the don't make them unpack the instruments and stack the amps and you know and hang the lights and all that sort of thing. Make them the rock star. And the reason for that is because all of that roadie work can be done by technology, right? A lot of what he talked about is linear in terms of its logic. If this, then that. These are the rules of the game, right? You can input all that into technology and a lot of that into Esker to say, okay, if this is this case, then, you know, if this is the situation or these are the inputs or these are the facts, then do that. And I mean, imagine, first of all, the consistency that you get out of that from a technology, never having a bad day or never missing an input or any of that sort of thing. But also, as he said, the way you can elevate people to do those things that can bring you, did he say $20 million in additional revenue by managing that? the customer relationship better? If, I can't think of a better business case than that. Mm. Even if it's $2 million, right? As long as it's more than what you're spending on the labor and you can take that labor cost away from things that should be done by technology, right? Mm. It's hugely worth it. And um, I think we need to start, we have to start thinking in ways like that if we haven't already. Look, as he said about Italy, in the rest of the world, population population decline is now inevitable, right? Mm. Even in China and in India and, and in the United States, the largest, um, at least in the States, the largest generation in the history of our country is leaving the pop, leaving the workforce at 10,000 a day and an extra 3.6 million left last year, even more than we're expected. There's a lot of up here kind of knowledge that is right. leaving with those people we haven't captured. We need to capture that in those systems, automate a lot of that. The reason that it was still manual, frankly, was because those people started doing that job manually and people were afraid to automate it, right? For fear of retribution. Now the people that are moving into the workforce, they don't want those mundane jobs. And they realize that technology can and should be doing those. So it's a perfect time to make that transition. That's right. A lot, a lot of good stuff there, Greg. Thank you so much. Uh, and folks, we've been, uh, we've been rubbing elbows with uh, Dan Reeve going back uh, probably two, almost three years now. And I'll tell you, he enjoys, if you can't tell, if you can't tell the passion he brings to the conversation, he loves talking shop with folks no matter where you are. So, so we again, we've dropped his uh, LinkedIn profile there. You can connect with him there. He also, Greg, was brave enough to drop his email. So since he was brave enough, I'm going to reiterate, re reiterate it, uh, daniel.reeve at esker.com. He goes with the formal name on email. What's yes. that, Greg? No <laughs> S. On, it's not Reeves. Right, Dan, Daniel Reeves. So, for those of you who are Denver Bronco or Atlanta Falcons fans, that's right. No relation. I learned that in my my first interview where I was locked in on Reeves being his last name, Dan Reeve. Heck of a guy. So reach out to him, have that shop conversation. I promise you, you'll leave that better off, knowing a lot more than you did going in. Okay, folks. Uh, Greg, thank you very much for being. I loved yeah, your pleasure. how you distill some of what uh, Dan is, is sharing with our our audience here. Thanks to all the folks that showed up. And hey, Keelan, uh, Mr. Wheeler, I agree with you. That Greg is a genius. That Greg and Dad, sheer geniuses. Well, thanks for all the folks. Thank <laughs> thanks for all the folks that showed up in the comments and shared uh, a variety of different perspectives. Y'all come join us again 
later this week and next week for more content, almost as good as uh, Dan Reed with Esker. But whatever you do, folks, whatever you do, I'm going to butcher that analogy. Uh, again, it's time for letting the dog see the rabbit. It's time to get started. Deeds, not words. Take some of what Dan has shared and get out there and make an impact with it. With, with that said, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.